You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik, giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. All right, well, the weather is turning for the better. St. Patrick's Day now in the rear view, which means one thing and one thing only. March Madness is arrived. Of course, a huge property for us here at TSN. We'll have all the games, all the action, and all of the excitement. And there will be tons of excitement because if you love basketball and you love betting, the next two and a half weeks are as good as it gets March Madness for me is the apex of degeneracy. And no, I'm not going to pretend that I stay up and watch the Big West tournament to get a read on UC Santa Barbara and their chances against Creighton tomorrow. But I do, like so many others, associate the madness with some of my favorite sports memories. I remember the Carmelo Anthony-led Syracuse Orange team with Hakeem Warwick and Jerry McNamara going all the way to a national title Almost 20 years ago, of course, Kemba Walker and the Yukon Huskies. These players and these teams, they're synonymous with incredible runs deep into the tournament and so many great memories for sports fans of all kinds. And we all love filling out our brackets and rooting for the teams we pick. But how do we get an edge? Harley Redlick has cashed millions betting pro line in Ontario. He has been banned by international sports books for winning too much. He has served as a gambling law professor at Osgood Hall. You can follow him on his website or Twitter feed, Sharp Edge Picks. And we are privileged to have the man himself with us here on The Edge this morning. Harley, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, bud. I'm good. Um, I'm laughing when you uh, mentioned Kemba and that UConn team. I was in uh, law school at Osgood at the time, and I took down... Uh, the Osgood Pool, my number one accomplishment in three years of law school was winning the pool with Kemba. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny how, and of course you and I, we love the tournament. I'm not the biggest college basketball fan on the planet, but I love March Madness. And every year it just consumes so much of my time leading up to the, to the tip, which of course I guess there are some play-in games today on TSN and tomorrow it all starts for real. What are some of your best memories with with March Madness as far as teams that you backed, maybe some underdog stories through the last 10, 15 years? Uh, well, for starters, I do agree with you. I think uh, the Christmas song is applicable now and only now. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, March Madness is the beginning of spring. Um, hopefully this spring it brings back some normalcy to a lot of people's lives because last year has been not the best. And, uh, wow, when I think back to March Madness memories, the best one is probably I was in Vegas when uh, Bryce Drew hit the shot and Valpo uh, upset Old Miss on that miracle three. So that's bar none the best one. It's it's such a great tournament, and I just can't wait to sit on my couch for so many games and so many weeks ahead and just take it all in. So, Harley, let's start with Gonzaga. They enter the the tournament undefeated. They're the number one overall seed. They are the betting favorite to win the tournament. Are you supporting those who have Gonzaga rolling all the way through the tournament undefeated and taking down the national title? Uh, The long story short would be no. Uh, It depends depends what your listeners want. If uh, you want to fill out a bracket and you want a good chance at picking a winner, Pick all four number one seeds. Pick Gonzaga to win it. Gonzaga of the four seeds is definitely the prohibitive favorite. Like, they're one in three to win this tournament. 
and Michigan and uh, the other number ones, uh, Illinois, uh, Baylor, they're like one and seven, one and eight. Gonzaga is definitely the favorite. And if you want to pick all the number one seeds, you'll be live probably in the tournament for a while. But the chances you win the tournament are really remote, and the payoffs just don't make sense to me. I'm a big fan of taking two seeds to win tournaments. Okay, okay. Uh, you're listening to The Edge here on TSN 1050. Harley Redlick is our guest. He's a gambling law professor at Osgoode Hall. You can follow him on Twitter at Sharp Edge Picks. So, Harley, lay it, lay it out for us because there's a lot of people today who are going to sit down and fill out their bracket. When you are doing so, and you are an expert, you're a man who's won millions of dollars betting on sports, what is the first thing you look at when evaluating your bracket every year? Okay, so the first thing I do in round one is you look to the point spread, and you look to the money lines, and you figure out the prices. I mean, it's pretty obvious that the two and three seeds are probably going to advance, but to get into specifics, Rutgers, for example, is a two-point favorite as a 10 seed over Clemson. They're winning in the first round 55% of the time. And my guess is most people are going to take Clemson. They're the seventh seed. They're a better-known team. So you definitely got to take Rutgers. You get to fade most of the pool, and you're taking the favorites. The best example of this by far is uh, Loyola over Georgia Tech. It's an 8-9 matchup that most people think is a coin flip. Uh, Loyola's winning that game over 70% of the time. Georgia Tech's star right is out for the first round. He's got COVID issues. Uh, if you want to talk COVID, Aaron, COVID is going to be a theme to the tournament. Oh, yeah. There will be teams that are eliminated before they play games, and there are teams that are going to get buys because of COVID defaults. Uh, all the more reason to take underdogs. Underdogs are your friends when uh, COVID can inflict a favorite or a dog, and you can get good odds on a team advancing, and they don't have to play a game. That's a bonus. But uh, you definitely got to take Loyola Chicago in the first round. Uh, I look for the odd upset special, or I'm careful about certain teams. The Texas Longhorns do not look very good. They're only a nine-point favorite against Abilene Christian. Like, do you know where Abilene Christian is? Could you put it on a map? <laughs> no. Nope. Does anybody know anything about the school? And yet the big-name Texas Longhorns are only a nine-point favorite. So if you're looking for an upset, I would look to them in the first round. Um, and then in the second round, I look for what I call the gaps in the point spread. So, for example, West Virginia is a 12-and-a-half-point favorite as a three-seed, and San Diego State's only a three-point favorite as the six-seed. You've got to take West Virginia in the second round because odds are they're going to get there. We don't know if San Diego State's going to get there. Um, same thing with Florida State and Colorado. I mean, it looks like a close 4-5, four, four, but FSU's a 10-and-a-half-point favorite in round one, so the odds are they're going to get there. Um, going back to my Loyola of Chicago theme, they're a six-point favorite in round one. They're going to beat Georgia Tech the vast majority of the time, and they're not going to be a big dog against Illinois. If you want to take an 8-9 to upset a one, take Loyola Chicago over Illinois. Harley, I'm glad you mentioned Illinois because that is another number one seed that a lot of people really like and like to go deep. This is a team that's been playing exceptional basketball of late. They've lost just one time in the past two months, and they've beaten four, one, or two seeds in the last two weeks of the season. So this is a team that is rolling and beating top opposition. And then you look at Gonzaga, who, again, they're undefeated, but they have not played a ranked team since December 26th, and I understand you can only beat who you play, but how much do you factor strength of schedule in when you're looking deep into the tournament and picking teams that can run to the final four deeper? I definitely 
definitely want teams that have been tried and tested. Um, Gonzaga, I would put in a category all to themselves because if they've proven anything in this tournament over the last 10 or 20 years, it's that they come to play and they know what's expected of them. There's no question about the fact that if you come out of the Big Ten and you're playing big matchups against the likes of Michigan and Ohio State week in and week out, you're tried and tested. Uh, Illinois is probably a stock that you're buying too high right now, and I would short it. Again, I could see them losing to Loyola Chicago in the second round, and they'll be done before this weekend, and all they'll have is their uh, Big Ten championship. So, Harley, why don't you lay it out for us? Give us your final four and the team that you have picked to cut down the nets and be the national title winners this year. Okay, so if you want value, the best bet on the board by far is Houston. Um, there, are How many guys listening to this know Michigan is the Wolverines and Texas is the Longhorns? But a bunch of you probably don't know Houston's the Cougars. They're only 14-1 to one to win it. They're a two-seed. They're the value bet. They're probably the best pick on the board. In my opinion, you want to take a bracket team that's live but not too much of a dog. They're the way to go. Other possible value picks, if you like them, are Iowa, 20-1, to 1, Oklahoma State at 35, Virginia, Virginia or Texas Tech. I would be leaning towards one of those four or five teams, Houston being my favorite one. If you're going to fill out your brackets uh, and there's only 20 or 30 guys in the pool, pick one of those guys to win it and uh, take most of the favorites otherwise. If there's a few hundred guys in the pool, you're going to have to start taking more of the two or three seats. And that's what I was going to ask for my final question. Again, we're speaking with Harley Redlick. When you're talking about, and a lot of guys are in are in brackets. I know at TSN, there's hundreds and hundreds of people in a bracket. And I feel you almost have to go more contrarian if you're going to win. Because if you're taking chalk and you're backing all the number one seeds to go deep and even some two seeds at that, there's going to be so many replications of those brackets throughout so many teams or so many entries into those pools. So do you almost have to go contrary and look down the board a little bit, maybe try to find a four, a five, a six to roll into the Elite Eight or even the Final Four to have a chance to win? A hundred percent. If there's that many players uh, competing in the pool, again, look at Oklahoma State, look at Virginia, look at Texas Tech, uh, Houston's the best of the seeds but those are the guys you want to go with you got to go with kind of live mid-range dogs um if you're looking for some spread betting over the next couple of days we can spend a couple minutes talking about that there's a couple bets i like on that front also Aaron. lay it out for us buddy you know we're always looking to make money on this show okay well tonight everybody and their sisters on tom Izzo and michigan state everybody knows he's live for the tournament everybody just assumes he's going to walk in there against ucla 90% of the money is on him. Fade is, oh, fade, fade Michigan State, take UCLA. And then tomorrow, Sharp Edge Picks loves betting underdogs, especially no-name underdogs versus big-name teams when the betters are all for the favorites. Both Purdue and Villanova are getting all the money against North Texas and Winthorpe. I take a shot with North Texas plus eight or on the money line. Winthorpe plus six and a half against Villanova, everybody's darling. Those three bets for the next two days are the ones I'm eyeing. So you've got UCLA tonight and North Texas and Winthorpe tomorrow. 
All right. Well, it's going to be a busy night in the Karolnik household backing the UCLA Bruins over Tom Izzo because, as you mentioned, very public team. Everyone knows Tom Izzo. Perhaps there is indeed value on UCLA. Thank you for doing this, my friend. It was great to have you as part of the show. Again, Harley Redlick, the gambling law professor at Osgood Hall, and follow him on Twitter at Sharp Edge Picks. Thanks, my man. Best of luck with your bracket and your wagering this March Madness. Thanks, Aaron. All the best. Look forward to speaking again. You know it. That is Harley Redlick, and this man has quite the story. You might want to go on his website because he has done some work in the gambling sphere here in Canada, namely on Proline, a very successful wagerer, and I really hope you were able to gain some thought processes as how you're going to fill out your March Madness bracket because I think a lot of it's dependent on the size of it. If you're in a small one with 10 people, you can go with a little bit more of the chalk, of the favorites, the number one seeds. But if you're in a big pool with hundreds of entries like I am and a few, I think you need to lean a little bit more contrarian. That's the only way you're going to win because the chalky plays won't necessarily be able to conjure up the same randomness. And oftentimes randomness is the key to success when you're talking about a pool of that size. Randomness is a word that is very rarely associated with the New England Patriots. But it seems that Bill Belichick is just throwing darts against the board and, and seeing whichever free agent name comes up, and he's signing them. The double tight end scheme in New England is back. Is it enough to make them a real contender in the AFC? And what does Vegas say about their chances? Don Padula, the executive producer of TSN Edge, will join us next on The Edge. You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. Can't get much better. That, of course, this is heaven, the new Nick Jonas track. And it is a fiery track. In a normal year, you'd be hearing this song everywhere you go. But unfortunately, there is very few places we can go at this point. But hopefully that changes soon. Welcome back to The Edge. I am Aaron Karolnik. Thrilled to be joined by the man behind TSN Edge, the proprietor of props, it is Dom Padua, the executive producer of TSN Edge. What's up, Dom? Not much, my man. I enjoyed that first segment. You just I love hearing the March Madness talk. It's uh, it's unbelievable that we get the March Madness back this year. Feel really happy about that. So can't wait for the tournament to get started tonight. Amen, amen. And you can watch all of the March Madness coverage on TSN, of course. And Dom, you lead the TSN Edge department, the gambling, sports, and information department at TSN. What is it like for you with March Madness? Because I'm sure there are just so many things being thrown your way, so many games and so many ways to cover these games. What's going on at the TSN Edge headquarters this morning in advance of the tournament's beginning? Well, we got a few things that are, are, uh, are planned for this event, and I'm, I'm sure you know, just going back our conversations over the past few months, it's always busy in the TSN Edge department seems like no matter what time of the year is there's always something cooking but March Madness is obviously really special and the fact that we have every game on our network it's uh it makes it that much better so uh get a lot of coffee in me tomorrow morning first thing and get going it'll be a fun weekend oh I I just can't wait at noon tomorrow it all begins but there are four games today as well to check out on TSN and why don't we start with March Madness because I know you're all over it you're a bracketologist much like I am, and 
we had a little bit of a Twitter spat. Kate Burness, Davis Sanchez, yourself, you, we were all included in this trying to decide whether or not we should back Gonzaga. They are the betting favorite. They are undefeated, the unquestioned top team heading into the tournament. Are you riding with Gonzaga all the way to a national title? I am, and I know that's not going to be something that a lot of people are surprised by and, uh, <laughs> you know, a bit of a chalky play, but... The more I looked at it, I, I was actually looking for somebody else to back because I didn't want to be the guy with Gonzaga winning it all at the end, and I couldn't find anyone that I felt backing. Uh, look, I, I know there's a lot of talk about the level of competition that they faced, and, and that's fair, but like you mentioned, we make our decisions based on what we know, not what we don't know, and, and the Zags didn't just beat their opponents this season. They absolutely dominated them, 23 straight double-digit wins, when you look at some of the numbers that this team produced, whether it's their point per game, highest scoring average in more than a decade, their shooting percentage, highest field goal percentage since the 89 national champion Wolverines, their points per possession, their points in the paint across the board, Gonzaga was just historically good this season. And then they catch a bit of another break with the way that the bracket unfolds. They get the top four seeds in their bracket, the two, three, four, they've already beaten them, and they beat them big. They beat them by an average of 15 points. So you look at their road to the Final Four, this is a team, they're already the most talented team in the tournament. They already have the confidence of having beaten some of the best teams in their bracket. And you look at some of the other contenders, you know, Baylor's a pretty good team. They've been a pretty good team all season. Did I like the way they finished the year? No. Illinois is a team that's been talked about a lot. I think that they have potential to make a a run, but I feel the same way about Houston on that side of the bracket. You know, Harlan made a good point in your last segment. When you look at that Midwest region, I mean, to me, Illinois and Houston look like locks to get to the Elite Eight, and then from there, it seems like a toss-up. You could have either of those teams in the Final Four. So when I look at this bracket, as much as I want to veer away from Gonzaga and that chalky play, um, you know, when I'm making my bracket, I, I really don't feel confident backing up anybody else uh, at this point. Um, now, you know, it's, anything could happen. It's called March Madness for a reason. But I just think the Zags head into the tournament with so much confidence. They're such a talented team. The bracket sets up well for them. I think that they're going to be the national champions when it's all said and done. And that, that means that they're going to be in special territory as an undefeated national champion. Don Padula is our guest. He is the executive producer of TSN Edge. And one thing I found fascinating when researching this tournament, exactly who I was going to back, if you look at recent preseason favorites during the pandemic era of sports, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they won the title as 8-1 to favorites. The Lakers won the title as 3-1 to favorites. The L.A. Dodgers won the World Series at plus 350 as the favorites. The Alabama Crimson Tide won the national championship as plus 240 favorites. The only team that didn't come through as a pandemic preseason favorite was the Kansas City Chiefs at 4-1. to Now, of course, we know Gonzaga opened the season as 7-1 to favorites to win the national title, now down to about... Three to one. Do you think that factors into it at all? The fact that in this weird era of sports that we live in, you may as well just back the best team from the beginning of the season and certainly heading into the dance. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, obviously, there's something to the idea of a team that heads into a season with all the pieces in place, um, whether it's you know just the talent that they've assembled or the chemistry or or the fact that heading into a year they have that confidence of knowing how to play together and 
and a chance to make a serious run. Even the even the Chiefs, I mean, hey, they're the one team that didn't live up to the hype as a preseason favorite, but they came pretty damn close. Um, and it's the same situation with Gonzaga right now. I looked this morning, they're two to one at William Hill to win it all. The, all, all the value has been sucked out. Like you mentioned, they opened at seven to one at the beginning of the season. Everybody's caught on to them right now. So they head into this tournament. There's no value at all betting Gonzaga. Uh, you know, we have to keep in mind the fact that, you know, anything can happen with these COVID protocols. You know, you back a team like Gonzaga at two to one entering the tournament, you know, God forbid something happened and they weren't able to finish it. You know, that's a, that's a, a loss. You don't get your money back for that. Um, but but in terms of heading into this tournament, when you look at evaluating teams, team that was seven to one now two to one to win it all, and and I just think hands down they're the best team in the tournament. I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, if they lived up to that hype as a preseason favorite and won it all. So Dom, let's talk about an NFL team that has been a preseason favorite many times over the past twenty years. Of course, I'm talking about the New England Patriots, coming off a seven and nine season. We don't know who their quarterback will be in 2021. Cam Newton has signed. Whether or not he's actually the guy under center uh, in Week One remains to be seen. But what do you make of their moves so far in free agency? There have been many, and how it could affect their odds in the AFC East and perhaps even a chance at a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing I keep hearing, because I, I, I've been paying close attention to just the reaction to what the Patriots have done, and I, I keep hearing people say that, you know, when you spend a lot in free agency, uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't work out. I mean, that's, that's really not true. Uh, if you look at the last five years, the top free agent spenders have improved on average by five wins the following season. Now, I'm not saying that the Patriots are going to improve by five wins this upcoming season, but the fact that they were a 7-9 and team last year, considering the lack of talent on that roster on both sides of the ball, and then they go out and, and they let Bill Belichick just basically say to them, hey, here's a laundry list of guys that I want on my team. This is what I need to be a winner. Give it to me, and they go out and do it. Spent $273 million on free agents. I, I know you made the point of the tight ends that they added. Obviously, that's been a, a real issue for them over the past couple of years. They've tried to draft tight ends. It hasn't worked out. But look at what Bill Belichick does. He just says, look, I, I've invested these picks in these tight ends. It hasn't worked out. So I'm going to go out and spend a ton of money and get the top two tight ends available. Boom, problem solved. Wide receiver has been a huge issue for the Patriots. I know we talked about that going back the last two years. Even when Brady was there, I still felt like he kind of got a raw deal in terms of the lack of talent around him. They didn't address it, and it cost them again last year. Now this year, they go out against Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. Now I get it. Those guys aren't superstar wide receivers, but they add that speed element to stretch opposing defenses that the Patriots haven't had. And when you have those two tight ends and you have that run game and you have the fact that you know Cam Newton, hey, if he's healthy, could still maybe do a little bit with his legs, all of a sudden that offense looks a lot different. Defensive side of the ball, they needed a pass rusher. They go out and get Matt Judon. That secondary is still solid. They just need more pieces up front. And so when you look at what they've done heading into the draft, this team looks like on paper they have a lot of quality pieces to take another step forward this year if they can get better quarterback play. Now, obviously, that's the hugest question. Um, and it's something, you know, they, they bring back Cam Newton, but with that contract, there's no guarantee that he's going to be the starter heading into the year. They still have the draft, and they still have the potential to shake things up and potentially make a trade this offseason. So right now, 
Um, you know, the immediate aftermath, they were 35 to 1 to win the Super Bowl heading in for the offseason. I just checked this morning because I was surprised after all those moves, they were still 35 to 1. It's been updated. I guess some people have jumped on them. It's now 30, 30 to 1, the Ooh. Patriots, to win the Super Bowl. I don't think they're in that conversation yet as a Super Bowl contender, but they're not far away from being a playoff team if they could figure out the quarterback situation. And obviously, that's a massive question mark. But this is a team that went 7-9 and nine last year. Four of those nine losses were by one score. They were in a lot of close games. Um, and they just added so many important pieces for what Bill Belichick and that staff wants to do. So I, I'm not calling them Super Bowl contenders, but I'm not going to write off what they've done because they've had a heck of an offseason. Dom Padula from TSN Edge is our guest here on The Edge. And, Dom, I thought it was really cool how sportsbooks adjusted the odds on the Chicago Bears last week. And that kind of prompted people to believe, oh, maybe the Bears are close on Russell Wilson. And now we find out this week that they were pretty close on Russell Wilson. They were making a very, very aggressive pitch on Russ, offering three first-rounders plus. So clearly the sportsbook's ahead of the curve on Russ. We still don't know a lot about Deshaun Watson and where he's going to land. What are the odds telling you about a potential landing spot for Watson if indeed he has moved on from the Houston Texans? Well, hey, first of all, you know, sorry to Bears fans that they had to deal with that whole situation. I can't imagine seeing that odds movement and thinking you're close to getting a quarterback, whether it's Russell Wilson or, or even Deshaun Watson, and then all of a sudden it's breaking news. It's the Chicago Bears have signed Andy Dalton. I, I, I mean, from, from having to deal with the idea that you passed on Mahomes and Watson in the draft to a trade for Nick Foles, and then obviously now the situation with Andy Dalton, it's just a mess in Chicago and it's a mess in Houston. When you look at how far that team's fallen off, um, you know, to your point about odds makers anticipating movement, uh, Houston's 125 to one to win the Super Bowl. Them and the Lions have the longest odds in the NFL. That that tells you that they're anticipating Deshaun Watson being uh, on the move this offseason. And I don't know that it's a situation that Houston can correct. I mean, when you look at what's happened in Houston over the last two years, it's one of the most bizarre situations in recent memory where. They were the big story last year when they traded DeAndre Hopkins for almost nothing. I mean, they finally move on from, for Bill O'Brien, and it looks like maybe this, this new personnel is going to have an opportunity to build something around Deshaun Watson, and now he wants out. And so, look, I, I, you know, you hear the reports, okay, the Texans aren't taking calls. Um, they're not interested in trading Deshaun Watson, but they're nowhere close to being a contender. They're, they're not even close to being a playoff team. Uh, and, and that's with Deshaun Watson. And so, you know, there's, I don't know how they plan on convincing Deshaun Watson to stay. Uh, right now, the way that situation is, there's almost nothing that they can do because how are you going to go out and talk to free agents and say, hey, come, come to Houston where, you know, we don't have a quarterback that even wants to play here and the rest of the roster is almost barren. Like, it's a tough situation. And so, you know, in terms of how that situation plays out, um, in terms of Watson being on the move, I really don't know where the right fit is. Um, right now, the Texans seem to be, you know, stuck with their attitude. We're not going to trade him. Um, I feel it's inevitable that they'll have to if Watson decides to force his hand, which I don't see how he doesn't, knowing what he went through. You know, the number of hits that guy takes, the constant pressure he's under, and he still goes out and puts up incredible numbers. So I don't know where there's a fit. Obviously, 
You know, there's a few teams that have been talked about. The Jets are a team that, you know, they certainly have a lot to offer. And I think, you know, if you're the Houston Texans, understanding the situation you're in, um, you know, maybe the best decision for you is to maximize what you could get for Deshaun Watson in his prime at a time like this, rather than trying to let this play out and just doing even more damage to your franchise. Dom, as always, thank you for doing this, and I look forward to receiving the company-wide email from you congratulating me on my perfect March Madness bracket. So you, you can just get started on that run right now and send it out April 6th when uh, my Illinois squad cuts down the nets. <laughs> just, just do me a favor. Send it out to me ahead of time just so I can tell you, and I don't have to wait till the end to congratulate you. Consider it done, my friend. Thank you for doing this as always. All right, thanks a lot, Aaron. Have a good one. You too, my man. That is Dom Padula from TSN Edge. There is some breaking news in the NHL, and if you're a person who's been betting against the Buffalo Sabres for the last 12 games of their losing streak, the news will disappoint you, as it's disappointing me right now. Uh, We have Alex Moretto from The Score joining us next. He is an NHL handicapper. We'll break down the slate and where the Leafs stand in the North Division as well. That's next on The Edge. All right, we're back here on the edge on this Thursday morning right here on TSN 1050. My name is Aaron Karolnik, and if you listen to my Pro-Line Best Bets on First Up, I have been backing the opposition of the Buffalo Sabres for many, many weeks now, and that has been an extremely profitable venture. It was kind of like owning Bitcoin in like 2011 because it was a lock. It's going up, and so were the oppositions for the Buffalo Sabres. They were picking up wins every single night. 12 straight losses for Buffalo heading into tonight against Boston, but it appears that tonight's game against the Bruins has been postponed. Both the Sabres and the Bruins dealing with COVID protocol issues, so that's not good. We wish them the best, but I'd like to see as many any Sabres games on the schedule as possible. Let's welcome in Alex Moretto. He is the supervising editor of Sports Betting at the Score. What a title and what a guy. What a follow on Twitter. You can follow him at, at Alex J. Moretto. What's up, Alex? How are you? I'm good, man. How you doing? We're doing fantastic. I mean, lots of good hockey games on the board tonight. We have March Madness right around the corner here at TSN. But let's start off with betting against the Buffalo Sabres. Have you been riding that train as well? And I guess tonight's game seems almost certain to be canceled, but when you're talking about laying the type of juice on a team like the Boston Bruins at minus 275 or so to beat Buffalo, is that even worth it? Yeah, it isn't for me, and that's why I kind of haven't been riding this train probably as much as I should. Um, You know, I actually was on Buffalo once uh, the other night, too. I'll never make that mistake again. But, you know, like betting, you know, betting on a team is kind of like a privilege, and the Sabres haven't really earned that right to be backed by anyone right now. And I think that even firing Kruger, I don't think that changes too much. The issues with this team run way deeper than just the head coach position. Um, We're talking about, you know, in the front office, talking about that roster, and I mean, there's so many problems there that I'm not, uh, I'm not willing to just say, hey, you know, new coach bump, let's, you know, let's get on the Sabres train right now, maybe a little bit of buyback on them. That's not something I'm willing to do. But again, I don't, I'm not a big fan of laying those big prices, those minus 275, uh, minus 250, especially on a team like the Bruins is kind of struggling a bit right now too. So that's just, that's just not something I, I'm, a, I'm fond of, and that's why I've kind of been staying away from the Sabres altogether. It doesn't seem like we'll have to worry about that game again. The breaking news, it appears as if the Sabres and Bruins game tonight has been postponed due to COVID protocols. And Alex, you talk about coaching changes. 
The New York Rangers had one last night, and again, it was related to coronavirus protocols because their entire coaching staff was ruled out early in the afternoon due to the protocols, and I looked at that as an opportunity to back the Flyers. They were the slight favorite, and I'm looking at it, I mean, all right, the coaching staff is out. Chris Drury, their associate GM's coming down and and standing behind the bench and kind of went the exact opposite way. Philly lost 9 to nothing, (laughs) and I know you were on the Rangers last night. How do you look at Philly tonight? They play the back-to-back. They're on the road against the Islanders, who are a red-hot team in their own right. They've won six straight at home. How do you think this 9 nothing destruction affects the way you prognosticate tonight's game? I mean, if Philly doesn't show some fight tonight and come out, you know, come out swinging a little bit, then that's that's a real problem. And then you have to start looking at that roster and looking at that coaching staff and wondering, you know, what needs to be changed. I mean, you, you get your butt's handed to you like that in a, against a division rival, you know, in, a, in just such an embarrassing way. And if you don't come out swinging that, I mean, there's, there's something wrong with that. So I think that, uh, I think that we will see a bit of a response from them. I have no confidence in backing the flyers right now. I was hoping we'd get a bit of a better price with the Islanders actually, because obviously this is just a really tough spot for Philly coming off that beating. They're playing back to back. Islanders have kind of been sitting there just waiting for them. So I do like the Isles, but I think that the whole kind of situation with this back-to-back and, you know, Philly traveling, mind you, it's it's a short travel, you know, from New York to New York here. But uh, still, I think that's kind of baked into the price. So I don't think I'll be on this game at all. But, I mean, I I just hope for Philly's sake we see them fight back a little bit. But, you know, their goaltending issues are are such a problem right now. It's hard to have any confidence back in this team. And that's part of the reason I was on the Rangers last night. I think the Rangers are still a little bit undervalued. And, I mean, you look at, you know, Carter Hart struggled so much this year. And, and Brian Elliott was kind of picking up the slack early on. But that's gone away. I mean, Elliott's really struggled now in his last, you know, four or five starts. And they're just not getting any goaltending whatsoever. And until we see something of a change there, I don't see how you can have any confidence betting on this team. Alex Moretto is our guest. He is from The Score. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at Alex J. Moretto. Lots of quality NHL wagering with a great record to this point in the season. Let's talk a little bit about the futures bets. And you think back to the St. Louis Blues run to the Stanley Cup a couple of years ago where they were something like 251 to 1 to win the Cup in January. And you're thinking, all right, can I find something, maybe not to that degree, but something down the board that might provide some value when you're thinking about okay, it's late May and there's eight NHL teams remaining. Maybe one of these teams could be one of them. I identify the Philadelphia Flyers. They're plus 2,500 to win the Cup right now. Maybe Calgary at plus 2,700. Is there any teams down the board that you're looking at? Maybe they could turn the corner. Maybe there's a trade that could be made that could provide some da- some value down the line. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily love it. I love the number. I don't necessarily love the team. But the stars, I mean, depending where you look, you can get them at 55-1 to 1 right now. And they've just had it so bad early in the season with, you know, uh, you're talking about the weather postponements um, with, with the snowstorms in Texas. And they had COVID issues, obviously, early in the year. So their schedule has just been brutal. Uh, Radulov's been out. Robertson's missed time. Uh, Kibaranta's missed time. I mean, so many guys have missed time on that team. They haven't had their full roster together. Sagan still hasn't played a game. Bishop still hasn't played a game. And they're still finding a way, despite all this adversity, to hang around. And you look at their underlying numbers, and they're actually really good. I think they're, you know, they're going to turn it around in a big way. They're definitely going to make a run at this playoff spot. And I think once they get in, you know, with that experience, that goaltending, that 
blue line, I think they're still going to make some noise. And I think at 55 to 1, I mean, you look at the teams that are being priced alongside the Rangers, who I like but aren't going to make the playoffs, if we're being honest. Uh, the Kings are not going to sniff the playoffs. The Blackhawks, the Canucks, I mean, you're talking about a Stars team that, you know, just cut finalists a year ago and they dealt with so much adversity early on in the season. They're still kind of in that playoff picture. And I know their spot in the central division is really tough. And, you know, they're going to have to kind of run that gauntlet with, with Tampa, Florida, and Carolina. So you don't love that. But I just think at this price and just looking at the talent on that roster and how well they've still played, given everything they've dealt with, I think that's a really good number. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I got in on that price. And, you know, whether they come through for me or not, we'll see. But I think that uh, it's hard to look away at that, at that 55 to 1. Yeah, I'm seeing them at 55 to 1 on uh, some online sports books as well. So that number is out there. I am also seeing the Toronto Maple Leafs as the betting favorite to win the Stanley Cup. And they have lost five of their last six games. They start an important back-to-back tomorrow night against the Calgary Flames. And if you look at the North Division, Alex, the Leafs are in first with 40 points in 30 games. But it's close. The Jets have 38 points. The Oilers have 30, 38 points as well. And the Habs have 34 points, but with two games in hand on the Leafs. And yet, the Leafs are still heavy favorites to win the division. Minus 270. Do you think that number is appropriate? And if not, which of the teams below them would you back at a much higher number to perhaps win the division? Yeah, I mean, I think the Leafs will end up winning the division. I do think they have the best roster from top to bottom. But I don't love length minus 200 on it. Um, I still think, you know, while I still think they will finish on top, I don't think there's much value in that. Uh, I think that you look down at teams like Winnipeg at 3-1 to one, and even Montreal at 11 to 1. I mean, like, and you know, that's the thing. Regular season hockey kind of suits the Leafs a little bit. So I think that, I think at the end of the day, they will still finish and they built enough of a cushion. And I know that cushion is, has shrunk quite a bit, but they're going to be getting Campbell back and stuff. Uh, so I think that they'll be okay there. But if you can find prices on, you know, to reach the final four, so to not just win the North Division in the regular season, but to, you know, reach the final four and win it in the playoffs. I think that's where we're going to see a lot more value down the board with teams like Winnipeg and Montreal. Um, you know, the North has been a ton of fun. We've seen a ton of goals, but naturally things are going to tighten up a bit in the playoffs, right? And the Leafs have shown more this year than in years past. They can play that style. But I'm just not sure they have the goaltending. And you look at the teams below them, like Hella Bucks, a top two goalie in the league after Vasilevsky probably. And, you know, Price is playing great again. Allen's been awesome backing him up. Markstrom's capable of winning a series, and he'll be helped a lot now by, you know, Sutter arriving in Calgary. And you just look at Freddie or Jack Campbell, and, I mean, what about their bodies of work inspire any confidence right now heading into a a playoff series? I mean, especially against teams with bona fide snipers like the Jets kind of have. I mean, you look at that mini-series against Winnipeg. The Leafs were clearly the better team in those first two games. You know, the third game's a bit less so. And you see people saying, like, ah, well, the Leafs are a lot better. They just got unlucky. You know, they ran into a hot goalie. Like, sure, but how many times have you seen this happen now with Hellebuck? I mean, we've seen him steal games countless times before. We saw it again last week. So who's to say we won't see it again in the playoffs? And, I mean, like, if you're a Leafs fan, can you realistically say that you're comfortable going into a best-of-seven series against Winnipeg right now with Freddie against Hellebuck despite what you think of the, you know, the two rosters in front of them. I mean, they, you know, there are a few more soul-crushing things for a team than dominating the run of play and not being able to find the back of the net than, you know, giving up one goal and one chance at the other end. That sort of thing just kills you every time, and we've seen it happen to the Leafs on a number of occasions. I mean, you look at Game 5 versus Columbus last year on multiple Game 7s in the past. So 
I think that's the concern for the Leafs right now and the way Freddie is playing not just this year but the last couple of seasons. And that's why I think there's definitely some value with those bigger prices down the board. You look at Winnipeg at three to one and Montreal at eleven to one. Those are two things I'm I'm definitely willing to uh to hop on and take a flyer on. He is Alex Moretto, the supervising editor of Sports Betting at The Score. Alex, it's been great to have you as part of our show, and uh, we appreciate you doing this. And, man, i got to encourage you, bet against the Buffalo Sabres. You will not regret it. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Aaron. All right. Thanks, buddy. That is Alex Moretto again of The Score. All right. We're wrapping things up on the edge. I'm going to give you my final four. And do you want to know my final four? That's a reasonable question, but I think you do because the rationale is strong. And I'm coming up, coming up with it next on The Edge. Winding things down here on The Edge on TSN 1050, I am Aaron Perolnik. And if you're wagering on the Honda Classic at PGA National Resort and Spa in Palm Beach Gardens in Florida, you're probably a big gambling golf degenerate like myself. It's a very exciting tournament because you get to look down the board and find some deep sleepers. I had Mackenzie Hughes this week. He is three under through eight. Love Mac. Good for him. And I'm sure you all saw that Daniel Berger withdrew with a rib injury. He was the favorite to win the tournament. So that leaves Sung J.M. and Joaquin Neiman as the two top dogs. And nothing screams exciting Sundays like... Joaquin Neiman and Sung J.M. So let's get back to the NCAA tournament. There are four games today. You can catch them all on TSN, the entirety of the tournament on the TSN television network. And you know we'll be locked and loaded on first up and throughout uh, TSN 1050 on the tournament. I want to identify two names for you to watch out for. And a guy, Cade Cunningham, he led the Big 12 in scoring a lot of people believe he will be the number one overall pick in this year's NBA draft. He plays for Oklahoma State. He is the fourth freshman to lead the conference in scoring. The first three, Kevin Durant, Michael Beasley, and Trey Young. So that is some exclusive company. OSU is a number four seed. So if you like them, or if you like Cade Cunningham, you like to back that superstar potential, that is one possible pick as a number four seed. Probably a little bit of a contrarian pick. And we've talked about Gonzaga, how they are the number one overall seed. They are undefeated, and they are the betting favorite to win March Madness. I personally like Illinois. Io Dosumu. If you don't know the name, you soon will. He is the only Division I player averaging at least 20 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 assists per game. And if their respective teams, Illinois and OSU, win their first two games... It will be a Dosumu-Cunningham matchup in the Sweet 16, which I would be jacked for. And that would be something to watch, a spectacle of sorts in March Madness. Arguably the two best players in the tournament going head-to-head at their respective positions would be so exciting to watch. I like Illinois to win the tournament, and a lot of people like Gonzaga or Baylor or Houston. I understand why. Illinois, in their recent form, is as good as it gets. They have beaten four number one or number two seeds in the final two weeks of the season. And when you compare and contrast that to the strength of schedule for Gonzaga, Gonzaga has not beaten a ranked team since December 26th. That is a long time that since they have gone up against a top competitor, and that is the exact opposite of what Illinois has faced. So that's it for the edge. Good luck with your brackets. Hopefully we've helped you fill them out just a little bit. 
Hopefully we've given you some winners on the NHL slate and perhaps some futures bets on the NFL. Thanks to 20 Fingers Chris Diavero and all of our guests. I'm Aaron Korolnik. We'll be back next week for special NBA trade deadline edition of The Edge.